Welcome to Where Will You Go, the FBC Tullahoma Missions podcast, where we ask our members and our listeners the simple question, where will you go as we seek to advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God from here to the least reached peoples on planet Earth. Today, in the pod, we have me, myself, and Michael. Yeah. (laughs) We got a special episode today. Hope you'll stick around. All right, Michael, it seems like you were just here in the pod not too long ago. People are going to think you're the co-host. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to be the pod star. You're getting close. But today we have a special episode of the FBC Tullahoma Missions podcast. And the reason we're going to do this is because things are beginning to open back up. We have... We had in 2020 several mission trips planned from Southeast Asia. We had two trips planned to North Africa. We had two trips planned to New York. We had trips planned to Clarkston. We had local trips. We had trips to Europe planned. And all of that really but one got canceled because of Corona. And now things are beginning to open back up more and more and more. And we're starting to have some mission trips coming around. And and at First Baptist Church, Tullahoma, when we have a mission trip, the first step you're supposed to do, the first step you're supposed to take is to go pick up a missions application down the missions hallway. At the end of every podcast, I say, if you've not been down to the missions hallway yet, go down to the missions hallway, poke around on those kiosks, see what comes up on the screen. If you tear it up, time will break it, right? In that hallway, there's applications. Pick up an application, fill it out, turn it in. Part of those applications uh, includes some details about your personal life. And one of the things we want to talk about today on the pod in this special podcast episode is is the question, what type of people should be sent on a short-term mission trip? We're not talking about long-term missions. We're not talking about full-time missionaries. We're talking about a short-term mission trip to New York City, to Germany, to North Africa, to Southeast Asia, what kind of person should go on those trips? And unfortunately, a lot of times, if not most of the times, the, the, the qualification is, are you willing? And if you're willing, are you able or can we figure out a way to make it possible for you to go? And then you go. And that's wrong thinking in my view. So I'm going to lay out for you what I perceive to be important qualifications for someone who would go on a short-term mission trip, Michael's going to chime in as he sees fit and correct me where I go astray. That's right. And you, hopefully, listener, will pay attention to this as you think about our trips coming up and just what it means to be a not only a, a missionary or evangelist or disciple maker, but a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to start by saying this. If, you, if you're looking at the five tiers of missions, you go down that mission hallway, you look at the five tiers of missions, and you see, here's a place that stands out to me. Here's an opportunity that stands out to me, and I really am interested in going on a short-term mission trip. You pick that application up. Here's what I want you to hear as the standard for a person who is going on a short-term mission trip. And I don't want this to be a shocker. The standard for someone going on a short-term mission trip is the same standard, in my opinion, my humble but accurate opinion, is the same standard for a pastor or an elder in the Scriptures. Whoa, 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 whoa. So are you saying you have to be a pastor or elder to go on a mission trip? I'm not saying you have to be a pastor or an elder on a mission trip, to go on a mission trip. 
I'm saying that you should be striving to be as qualified as a pastor or an elder to go on a mission trip. And let me just explain that for you, try to flesh that out a little bit. In 1 Timothy 3, the Apostle Paul gives the qualifications for a pastor, elder, overseer. And and he says this in 1 Timothy 3, it's a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach. That means there should not be a blatant sin that someone can point out in this person. Michael, would you want to take someone on a short-term mission trip that we could point out blatant sin glaring in their life? Well, of course not. Okay. He needs to be the husband of one wife. That word means literally a one-woman man. He's not fooling around with other women. Would you like to take a guy on a short-term mission trip that's fooling around with another woman? No. And I honestly believe everything from here on out from above reproach and here on everything after above reproach just really tells us what above reproach is. Okay. That makes sense. So someone who's above reproach is a, is a one-woman man. Uh, it goes on and says temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God and not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil? He must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Okay, those were a lot of little qualifications there, but big qualifications, temperate. You don't want somebody that's going to lose their temper because let me tell you, if you go to India and you stand in the fourth passport line with the fourth <laughs> guy that st- stamped it in sight of the other three guys, mm. and you're late for your flight, and they don't care, Oh yeah, you can lose it. Oh, yeah. You and can. I imagine in India and other places, their services, whether you're in a restaurant or wherever you might be, you can. there will be challenges and temptations to lose that temper Patience quickly. is the order of the day. So... You don't want to take somebody who's got a temper problem. What about somebody who is not prudent? Somebody who's not wise? You want to take a fool? Well, opposite of someone who's not, the person who's not wise is a fool, right? So you want to take a foolish person with you on a, on a short-term trip. And here's the thing. All of these qualifications, these are not just, okay, well, this is for the pastor only. Okay, so which one of our church members do, do we want to be a multiple-woman man? That's, is it which which Christian is it okay for? Which Christian is it okay for to be addicted to wine? What what Christian is it okay for that person to not be peaceable to just be a stirrer of division? What Christian is it okay for them to love money and to desire? These are not qualifications for elders only. This is a standard for every Christian. We want this for every believer in the church. So what makes a pastor? What makes an elder? It it should be. Someone who has set the example in these areas. We all fail. Right. Nobody's perfect. If, if we have to be perfect in these areas, I'm resigning tomorrow. <laughs> we all are, yeah. It's not perfection, but it's, hey, I'm, I'm trying to set the example in these areas, and my people see this, and then they apply it to their lives, and they seek to set the example in these areas. And when men begin to set the example in these areas in a major way, they identify themselves as, 
as leadership quality, leadership people. So I think when we send a missionary, a short-term missionary overseas, that person needs to be striving to set the example by fulfilling the qualifications that are outlined for the pastor, overseer, elder, leader in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. That's my humble but accurate opinion. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Michael, or anything I need to clarify? So do you think... Um, um, so do you think that uh, in order to go on mission trip, uh, you just said we don't have to be perfect. We need to be striving to live a uh, godly life. And so is who we send limited? Uh, is a mission trip really not for everyone? Absolutely. And here's the catch-22, I think, on short-term mission trips. is It is a part of the discipleship process. I mean, I think when you we all can identify people who went on a short-term mission trip and grew exponentially on that trip. So it was part of their discipling. But the fine line is you don't send no visas. What does Timothy say? It says don't, not a new convert because then he can become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. So you take a young convert over there who's not ready, and they come back strutting and saying, well, I've been to so-and-so, and I've been here and there. Where have you been? They don't know the Bible. They're not walking with Jesus closely. They've gotten prideful. They've gone on a mission trip, and they're hanging their hat on that. So it's this fine line of we want, we want to see people discipled by sending them on short-term mission trips, but they need to be discipled to a point before they go on short-term mission trips. They need to be doing here what they're going to be doing there. They need to be setting the example here that we expect for them to set there. It's not like you get on an airplane and 30,000 and a few thousand miles changes who you are. If you're not legitimate here, you can pretend to be legitimate over there, but that doesn't make you legitimate. If you're not doing anything here, you can go over there and work for a week, but that doesn't, that's not the point. It's not a mission vacation. It's not an adventure. Right. Yeah, I think uh, that's the, the appeal for a lot of people. Go to a new place, go to see some new sites and experience a different culture. But the people we want to send, right, are not are people looking for adventure, but we want to send people who really love Jesus and, as you said, are striving for those qualifications that you mentioned earlier. That's right. Well, this is a special episode of the FBC Tullahoma Missions Podcast. But we're still going to mention our book of the month. And our book of the month, this month, is The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. Uh, if you've not picked that up, I want to encourage you to pick it up, read it, and hear about some real-life missionaries, some real-life heroes, those who are persecuted for the Christian faith, and find out that the gospel is really worth it, and the resurrection is really worth living for. The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. All right, Michael, we're not just going on an adventure. We're not going on an adventure. This is a this is a task that we've been that's been put before us by our commanding officer. And he's not gonna send people who haven't been to boot camp yet. We're in World War Three. You don't send the guys who haven't been through boot camp. You send the guys who have been through boot camp, they've proven themselves worthy to carry a rifle, right? So we're gonna send people who are worthy to carry the sword. Now that doesn't mean you have to be old. It doesn't mean you have to be a Christian for five years. It means you need to be striving. You need to be striving 
to be above reproach. And I think of this verse in Matthew 23, and I heard Paul Washer preach a sermon on this years ago, and I think it's worth repeating. And you can Google Paul Washer and Matthew 23, 15. Maybe you can find it. I don't know how to point you to it. But Matthew 23, 15 is an enlightening verse. It says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. Now, this is what amazed me. The Pharisees, the scribes, weren't just hanging out in Jerusalem. They were getting on boats and traveling. They were walking across land, crossing borders to make a proselyte. Now, they weren't weren't pointing them to God and the worship of God as much as they were pointing them to their system and their traditions as Pharisees. So they make themselves a proselyte. And Jesus said, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. So there's a few things we see here. One... These Pharisees were sons of hell. They weren't sons of God. Number two, they're missionaries for their cause. They're adventurers. They're on the sea. They're on the land. And number three, the people they reach don't end up better off than they than their people who reached them. And I think if we think about that in terms of short-term missions, you know, the question Paul Washer asked that sparked my thoughts was simply, what are we exporting? What were these Pharisees and scribes exporting? They were exporting tradition. They were exporting their system. They weren't exporting the glory of God. So what are we exporting when we go overseas? And here's what I want you to hear if you're thinking about picking up one of those applications. I'm not wanting you to hear I have to be perfect because that would exclude us all. God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick, right? Thank goodness. That's right. (laughs) So we're thankful for that. But here's what I want you to hear. When you pick that application, you need to ask up, you need to ask yourself, what am I exporting to Germany or to North Africa or to Southeast Asia or to New York or wherever else it may be that we end up in the world? What am I exporting when it comes to a personal walk with Jesus? And if you are not in the scriptures on a regular basis, daily basis, and I know we miss Saturdays sometimes or holidays sometimes or you know, not 100%, nobody's 100%, but Jesus. But if you're not in the scriptures regularly, if you're not praying regularly, if you're not doing the one another's regularly, Michael, can you do the one another's watching church online? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Parker's in the room, our intern. Just yet, just nod yes or no, Parker. Can you do the one another's by watching sermons online. He's smiling but saying no. So we've got a we've got three witnesses here that are saying you can't do the one another's by watching sermons. Watching sermons is good, but watching sermons is no replacement for church gathering and worship. So I'm thinking about going on a short-term mission trip. What am I exporting when it comes to my personal prayer life, my personal Bible study, my personal one another's in the fellowship? And my church attendance forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. Listen, if you're not doing those three little basic things, gathering as a church for the one another's, reading the word praying, if you're not doing those three little things, what on earth would give you the idea that going on a mission trip as a missionary is a good idea? Yeah, it makes you think like, what are you signing up for? What are you trying to accomplish if if you sign up for this and you're not doing those things? 
it just it makes no sense whatsoever. It's like we want to jump to the romantic, we want to jump to the glamorous, mm-hmm. and we want to skip over those boring basics. Like I want to go to seminary. I want to go to seminary and get a degree, but I don't read my Bible or prayer. You know, I'm not faithful to my local church. I want to jump to the big stuff. And listen, the big stuff doesn't count if you're not doing the basic stuff. The basics are important. They're the ground level. So what are you exporting when it comes to your personal Christian life? What are you exporting when it comes to your family? I mean, if you're a husband who is estranged from his wife or you're a wife and you're in constant conflict with your husband and your marriage is in shambles, you don't want to go and and export that picture of marriage to people in North Africa. Or if your kids are completely out of whack and out of line and you're an angry parent and you can't get control ever, you don't want to export that type of parenting overseas. And what about your church? If your church is a total train wreck, like so we're going to send a team from a church that's a total train wreck, that's not preaching the gospel, that's worship is off the charts, that's, you know, stewardship is horrible, that's doctrine is horrible. What are we exporting when it comes to our personal walk with Jesus, our family life, our church life? We need to ask those questions before we go overseas because we don't want to make a proselyte twice as much a messed up person as we are. Yeah, and thinking about from the the missionary perspective as well, um, you want to be, when you go, you want to be someone who encourages them. You want to be someone who uh, lifts them up and it helps their ministry. Uh, You don't want to be someone who who they have to come behind and clean up the mess Mm. that you've left. And so it really is important who you send over um, because, um there have been times when teams have come over and they've really done more destruction and more left more work for the missionary to do because they didn't follow the uh, the cultural guidelines of that mm. particular area they were in or they didn't um, they were only thinking of themselves and so uh, it can uh, it's really important who you send for sure and this is coming from somebody who spent two years on the field. As a, as a journeyman. So you're not just saying this because you got a missionary buddy who gets upset when people don't do things his way. You've seen this. We've all seen this. Now, Michael, am I saying that if you are not qualified to be a pastor, if you're not perfect, let's just back up and say, if you're not a perfect picture of the qualified pastor, you shouldn't go on a mission trip. Is that what I'm saying? I do not believe that's what you're saying. Am I saying that you have to be perfect to go on a mission trip? You do not have to be perfect to go on a mission trip. Am I saying that you need to be a pastor, elder, bishop, overseer? You do not need to be a pastor, elder, bishop, pope to be a... a, (laughs) Definitely not the pope. pope, We don't want the pope going at all. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) uh, 15, 17, October 31st, we became Protestant. Okay, thanks for that. I'm sorry. That was a side note. So we're not saying you have to be perfect. We're not saying you have to be a pastor. We're not saying that you need to be... uh, perfectly fulfilling the qualifications of an elder, pastor, all the time. But we are saying you need to be an example. And if you're not doing it here, the basics here, don't jump to the romantic. If you're not walking with Jesus here in the word regularly, praying regularly, doing the one another's, gathering yourselves together with your local body, don't jump on a plane and go overseas, don't export dysfunctional personal life 
dysfunctional family life, dysfunctional church life overseas to people who desperately, desperately need a clear picture of what it means to follow Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you to for joining us today in the pod for our special episode on what makes a short-term missionary. Listen, go by the mission wall. Check out the five tiers. Pick up an application. Pray. Read your Bible. Do the one another's. Fill it out. Turn it in. And let's see where we can go to advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God together. Thank you for joining us today in the pod. Hope to see you next time. God bless.